today on Grace to the Hearers with Pastor Eric Kluth. Because it's even easy to fall in the works mentality in a Bible-based church. That you start doing things because you think that that's what you have to do. Let me tell you, your number one have to do is be obedient to Jesus Christ. That's your number one have to do. As the works come, the Holy Spirit will fill the believer so and empower him, and then that believer then will walk through the good works that God has prepared for them beforehand. Have you lost your first love? More importantly, our focus needs to be our relationship with Jesus and obeying Him. When works begin to take this place, our priorities are in the wrong order, as we'll hear from Pastor Eric. When you learn to rely on the Spirit within you, He will empower you to do the good works you were created to do. Well, let's join Pastor Eric in the book of John, chapter 10, with today's edition of Grace to the Hearers. In John, chapter 10, we're going to be in verses 1 through 21 today. I titled the message, Changing Systems, Changing Systems. And before we get into John chapter 10, let's look at a quick recap of John chapter 9 for those who haven't been here or those who just kind of want to refresh their minds of what's going on in the gospel according to John. In John chapter 9, we saw that Jesus healed a blind man, and this man was blind from birth, okay? And the disciples asked Jesus, they said to him, who sinned, Rabbi, uh, this man or his parents? And Jesus said, Neither, but God has, he's going to reveal a work through him. Now, I want to clarify one thing. Last week, I said, God does not punish sin by giving disabilities. And then I said, uh, the wages of sin is death. And this could have brought confusion to you. Uh, and so I just wanted to clarify and, and clear up, because my heart is not to bring confusion within your hearts. God can give physical consequences for sin. And a good example of this is in 2 Kings chapter 5. To understand this, if you sin, not only there could be, there be a physical consequence for that sin, but there can be a spiritual consequence for that sin. Uh, the spiritual consequence is the wages of sin is death. And I didn't clarify that in my statement, uh, separating the two, the physical and the spiritual consequences. Please note, though, that spiritual separation, uh, physical consequence for sin, the wages of sin is death, that separation from God can be avoided by repentance in Jesus Christ. Having a physical consequence for sin, oftentimes we can be upset about that, but it could be that physical consequence that could lead you to repentance. It could lead you to uh, turning to God so that you don't face that spiritual consequence, that separation from God. But for a person to say that every disease, sickness, disability is a result of sin is wrong. Because as we learned here in John chapter 9, that's not always the case. But then also in John chapter 9, we saw the blind man receive his sight. And because of this interaction with Jesus, this man now had a, a testimony. And this guy, man, his testimony was really tested because there was many of his neighbors. And not only his neighbors, then the church leadership were asking him, how did you get healed? What happened? Who healed you? And so he shared like multiple times. In fact, he shared with the church leadership four times of what happened And so through the interrogation of the church leadership, they could not just believe that he was healed. They ended up kicking him out of church (laughs) or the synagogue 
in this time period. But then in that time, after he gets kicked out of the church, Jesus then meets up with the man, and he reveals to the man that he is the Son of God. And the man heard this. Jesus asked him, do you believe in the Son of God? And he said, show me who he is. And he says, it's me who's talking to you. And the guy just starts worshiping Jesus, and he believes. And it's a great, great story of what had happened. And so we learned last week that Jesus wants us to see our sins that, so that we can turn from our sins. You know, we're, we're blind in sin, but Jesus Christ wants to uh, reveal our sins so that we can be forgiven of our sins. And so then once we see our sins, then he wants us to become blind to our sins, meaning that once we see them, we repent of them, and then we see as God sees, which means what? That he sees your sin no more. So that's what God wants us to be like too as well, is not to see our sin, not focus on the sin, because God has removed our sin. And the Bible says he's removed it as far as the east is from the west, and he remembers our iniquities no more. Therefore, as a forgiven child of God, one who believes in the name of Jesus Christ, why should we continue to view that sin if God doesn't? It's been forgiven. So that's what's kind of going on in John chapter 9. Today in John chapter 10, in these first 21 verses, we will look at the difference between a religious system versus a relationship system. And finally, we'll look at the state of being lost. So let's go ahead and dive into it and start reading verses 1 through 21. I'm going to read it all, and then we'll kind of go through it. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Verse 3, to him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Verse 5, yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Verse 7, then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. Verse 13, the hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Verse 17, Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. 
No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. In verse 19, Therefore there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, He has a demon and it is mad. Why do you listen to him? In verse 21, Others said, These are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Wow. So Jesus, he's continuing his conversation that he had with the Pharisees. And at at the end of chapter 9, the Pharisees came into the conversation that Jesus was having with the blind man. And so Jesus is continuing to, to teach and to minister to those who are listening to him. And so Jesus gives this illustration of a shepherd and a sheepfold. Now, God often refers to leaders in the Old Testament as shepherds. Uh, These shepherds were good, and some of them were bad. An example of a good shepherd comes in Ezekiel chapter 34. It should be on the screen. In verse 23 of Ezekiel, it says, And I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David. He will feed them and be a shepherd to them. Now, King David, a man after God's own heart, did exactly that for the nation of Israel, for, the, for Israel at that time. Now, an example of a bad shepherd comes in Isaiah 56, and it says this, Like greedy dogs, they are never satisfied. They, being the wicked of hearts, priests at the time, they were ignorant shepherds, all following their own path and intent on personal gain. So we see there in the Bible that there is an example of a good shepherd and a bad shepherd. Now, let's understand what a sheepfold is. A sheepfold is an area of land that is blocked in. And the shepherd, you guys, would bring his sheep, his or her sheep, because there could be shepherdess, his or her sheep into this spot. And the sheepfolds were there for the protection of the sheep. And so if these sheepfolds were in the city, there would be uh, commonly a gatekeeper who would be uh, standing guard, and the shepherds then would be dropping off their sheep and then coming back for them when they're ready to take them out to the pasture. It's kind of like sheep daycare, right? And so you would just go in there and you would drop them off, and then you come and go do your business and then come back and get your sheep. And so that was the uh, picture that was happening within the city. Now... Jesus, when he speaks about that he is the doorkeeper, he is speaking about a sheepfold that is actually in the pasture. And so the shepherd would lie there between the doorway because what is he doing? He is protecting his sheep. And so he is guarding against any wolves, any animals, any robbers, anybody trying to come into this place, trying to take these sheep, he will die for these things because... You know, sheep was a huge part of their economic system back then. Animals in general, okay? And so he would take care of them. The amazing thing about sheep, I did a lot of research on sheep this week, uh, is this, is that they listen to their shepherd's voice. Pretty amazing. When the shepherd would give a distinctive call, the sheep that were of his fold would hear that call and they would respond to that shepherd. Truly amazing. Uh, David Guzik, a pastor in California, said this to kind of paint the picture of, of understanding how a 
sheep hears his shepherd's voice, said this. He said, during World War I, some Turkish soldiers tried to steal a flock of sheep from a hillside near Jerusalem. The shepherd, who had been sleeping, awoke to find his flock being driven off. He couldn't recapture them by force, so he called out to his flock with a distinctive call. The sheep listened and returned to their rightful owner. The soldiers could not stop the sheep from returning to the shepherd's voice. Isn't that amazing? What an an amazing quality that God has installed into sheep to follow the voice of their shepherd. Truly amazing. I think that example is for those who are his followers so that we could see that visual to follow after our true shepherd. Now, going back to our text, the Pharisees, you guys, didn't understand this illustration that Jesus was speaking. It says that in verse 6. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. And so then Jesus then, in verse 7, starting in verse 7, he explains the illustration to the people. He explains to them, and he tells the people, his listeners, his audience, that I am the door of the sheep, meaning that he is the gatekeeper, okay? Uh, And when Jesus spoke this, he was referring to a sheepfold, again, out in a pasture, not within the city, but out in the pasture. He was communicating that he is the gatekeeper. But then it didn't stop there, did it? He then says that, I am also the shepherd. Then Jesus goes on and says, you know what? In verse 10, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy, right? Before he said that, he was speaking of, of that, of the ones who came before him, the thieves and the robbers. Well, who are these people? Who are the thieves and the robbers? Well, they would be the religious leaders. The religious leaders, they took God's law and they molded it into a religious system. This system taught people, in order to come to God, you must do works to get to God. And so these people who took God's righteous law, in a sense perverted it to change it, to make it a religious system that took them away from God, and they were focusing upon themselves. And obviously they were trying to, in a sense, which they might not have known, but they were actually stealing and killing and trying to destroy the people because they were taking them away from God. Pretty crazy. And so then Jesus, he says, you know, that I am the good shepherd. If anyone comes to me, I will give him life, right? And so he's trying to illustrate there's a difference between the old that had come before him and who he was. Because ultimately, God's law, the the Old Testament, it points to who? Jesus Christ. And so God is trying to communicate through his son, and and he does a fine job because Jesus comes out clearly and says, I'm the good shepherd. If you come to me, you will have life. You will not be destroyed. Man. Now, we can say how bad the religious leaders are, right? We can say that all day long. It's easy to say that. But I want you to realize one thing. The Pharisees are not the only guilty party when it comes to setting up religious systems. False religions and even Christian churches today are still implementing religious systems. These religious systems are pulling man away from God. They're pulling man away from Jesus Christ. And these systems uh, focus on man's personal works to get to God. 
So they pull off the attention of Jesus and put the attention on who? Self. They put the attention back on self. And it's easy to fall into the works mentality. And I, and I say that it's easy to fall in the works mentality because it's even easy to fall in the works mentality in a Bible-based church. That you start doing things because you think that that's what you have to do. Let me tell you, your number one have to do is be obedient to Jesus Christ. That's your number one have to do. As the works come, the Holy Spirit will fill the believer so, and empower him, and then that believer then will walk through the good works that God has prepared for them beforehand. And so the works will come, but it will come because the Spirit of God is leading you to do these things. It's not just to be a busybody. It's to be a servant and an obedient son or daughter to God our Father. We need to be careful as believers and as a body of Jesus not to travel down this path. We need to listen to the warning that Jesus gave to another Christian church. What Christian church do I speak of? The church of Ephesus. And if you guys would, turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 2. And we'll be looking at verses 1 through 7. We'll be looking at a warning to the church at Ephesus. It says this, Jesus speaking to the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, These things says, He who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and found them liars. Verse 3. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. You guys get the picture already. The church is very active, and Christ is giving them that he sees this activity going on within the church. He says this, though, in verse 4, Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give give to eat from the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So here we see that this church was very active. And I can imagine this church today, very busy in the works in the name of Jesus Christ. Very outgoing, very focused going on. They've got the greatest events going on. You've got VBS, you've got outreaches left and right. You've got uh, just ministry opportunities happening. This place is flourishing. But yet, nevertheless, I have a problem. Jesus said. And that problem is what, church? You have left your first love. And that love is Jesus Christ. They left the focus. And Jesus encouraged them by saying, go back to those first works. What was the first works? Believing in Jesus Christ. Placing your faith in Christ and letting him be your dad, letting him be your Lord and Savior and guiding you through the life. 
Not making it about the church and the activities, but making it about Jesus Christ. Pretty amazing. Leaving our first love. And God really challenged me as I was reading uh, Revelation 2 and just challenging my heart. Eric, have you left your first love? Because let me tell you, as a pastor, it is easy to get caught up in the works. It is easy to get caught up in the works. It's a battle. And you guys can be praying for me in that, that I continue to remember who my first love is, and that's Jesus Christ. It's before all of the ministries, all of the things that happen here, all the mission trips. And yes, my heart is to go and to do, to do all these things and to reach out to the community that God has placed us in. But the moment that I lose my first love, then it's for nothing. As it says in 1 Corinthians 13, you can do all these things. You can have the gifts of the Spirit, but if they're not done in love, they're like a clanging symbol. Okay? And so this morning, I really believe that the Lord is challenging our church. Are we maintaining, are we keeping our first love top priority? Is he the top priority of this church? Is he the top priority of you? Because you are the church. Not just this building, not the congregation of the people. It's the individual. You are the temple of God. You are the church. Have you left your first love this morning? If so, just as Jesus was crying out to the church in Ephesus, repent. And once you repent, you will have that goodness uh, from the tree of life in the paradise of God. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing that God is so gracious, isn't it? Because there is times, there are times when we can be so focused on ourselves that we move away from our first love. But yet God is so gracious and he is merciful and he is there encouraging us, and wanting us to come back to him. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. So following after religious systems will leave you empty, and ultimately it will destroy you. Just as Jesus said, the robbers who came before me, you know, those thieves, they come only to steal, kill, and destroy, and that's exactly what religious systems do. They come in and they steal, you know, kill and destroy. And when it came to religious systems, the Apostle Paul was a great example for the church today by standing up against the religious systems. In fact, he had to confront his brother Peter. Now, we're all familiar with Peter, and if you're not, Peter was one of the 12 disciples, one of the 12 disciples that was very outspoken. In fact, he walked on water, okay? He was very bold, and sometimes he didn't have a filter on what he said. But yet, Peter, after Christ had ascended into heaven, Peter and the rest of the apostles in Jerusalem were following back into the religious systems that Christ came for to deliver from. And so Paul, being an ex-religious system member, filled with the Holy Spirit, confronts Peter And he says to him in Galatians 2.21, he says, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. I mean, this guy's passion, intensity in that conversation. Can you guys just feel the tension in the room and the heart of Paul just beating with the grace of God, longing for his brother to turn away from the religious system? John 3.16 one of the most recognized verses in the Bible reminds us that by believing in Jesus, God's only Son, 
We are set free from our sins and have gained eternity in heaven. God's love for us, His creation, caused Him to allow all the sin of the earth to be placed on the shoulders of His Son. Jesus then took the punishment for those sins, dying a painful death, just so that we wouldn't be separated from Him. Our prayer is that as Pastor Eric continues teaching through the book of John, you will grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus. If you've been touched by this series or you'd like to know more about Jesus, please give us a call at 520-723-7047. We'd love to share the freedom you can have with a personal relationship with Jesus. That number again is 520-723-7047. You can also connect with us by visiting our website at gracetothehearers.com where you'll also discover more about this ministry and find resources to enhance your study of God's Word. If, like many, social media is part of your everyday life, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. We also have a YouTube channel where you'll find many videos of past messages from Pastor Eric's verse-by-verse study of the Bible. Find all this and more at our website, gracetothehearers.com. With that, our time has come to a close today. Pastor Eric will return soon with his continuing verse-by-verse study in the book of John right here on Grace to the Hearers.